From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon. Hope you've had a fantastic day, and welcome to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior vice president at the Family Research Council, and happy to be filling in for Tony this evening, and extremely honored to have you on board with us as well. Coming up on this edition of Washington Watch, as you probably know by now, President, former President Donald Trump arrived in the U.S. Uh, District Court in Washington, D.C. just a couple of hours ago to make his initial appearance in federal court after being indicted for a third time. And as expected, the former president pled not guilty to the four counts he's been charged with. Well, how is this going to unfold? And how even did we get to this point? Well, I'll be discussing that later in the program with Mike Davis. He's the founder of the Article Three Project. He also served in all three branches of the federal government and spent nearly 10 years as a civil litigator in Denver. And the Biden administration probably is hoping that the latest indictment of former President Trump will take America's attention off of the other news of uh, things like a 30 percent spike in illegal crossings at the southern border. But, well, to be honest with you, not even Democrats are buying that argument. It's absurd. Uh, just let in 100,000 migrants, foreign nationals, unvetted foreign nationals to New York City and say, here, take them. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to spend $8 million a day in New York City. And again, we haven't heard a plan from this administration. Joe Biden is asleep at the wheel. The whole administration is. Well, powerful words. That was coming from Democrat New York City Councilman Robert Holden yesterday on Fox's Ingram Angle. I'll be joined in just a few moments by Congresswoman Debbie Lesko of Arizona, where the last month's spike of illegal crossings were the most pronounced. So, uh, We'll be talking about that here in just a few moments, as well as getting her input on the latest indictment of President Trump. And earlier today, the chairman of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, Congressman James Comer, released the transcript of his committee's interview with Devin Archer, who, of course, was the former business partner of Hunter Biden. Well, Democrats, of course, are calling it a nothing burger. But as Archer shared with Tucker Carlson yesterday, uh, there were some 20 calls that were made by then Vice President Joe Biden during Hunter Biden's business meetings. And friends, it was absolutely more than nothing. You understand DC, right? So the power to have that access and that conversation, and it's not in a scheduled conference call and it's a part of your family, that's, that's like the pinnacle of, uh, of power in DC. So what else did Archer reveal about uh, how, how does all this fit into the bigger picture of the investigations into the Biden family? Well, we are going to unpack this for you a little bit later with Eric Eggers. He's a vice president of the Government Accountability Institute. And so we've got a great program lined up for you today. As a reminder, as always, you can catch this program if you happen to miss any portion of it, as well as archive shows and a host of other resources at our website, TonyPerkins.com. So we urge you and encourage you to go check that out. All right, let's jump into this evening's program. As I've shared the past couple of days, the Biden administration is probably hoping that the latest indictment of former President Trump will draw attention away 
from other news that's been unfavorable toward President Biden. And among those unfavorable issues is last month's 30% spike in border migration numbers. Uh, that was revealed, by the way, just yesterday. Well, will this administration continue to insist that the border is not open and that their plan is working? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Congresswoman Debbie Lesko. She's a member of the House Committee on Energy and Commerce, as well as the Border Security Caucus. She represents the 8th Congressional District of Arizona. Congresswoman Lesko, great to see you. Welcome back to Washington Watch. It's great to see you, Jody. Well, thank you so much. And uh, listen, y'all, you've got your hands full these days. <clears throat> At home in the district there in Arizona as well as in, in D.C. Uh, so before we get to the border, and I do want to get to that, but I would love to just get your take on the latest indictment of former President Trump. What are, what are your thoughts on the latest charges? Well, I read through the entire indictment, and then I read parts of it over again, and I was not impressed. I wasn't impressed at all. First of all, most of the indictment hinges on the allegation that they're making that Donald Trump knowingly claimed there was election fraud. And the way that Jack Smith, the special counsel, tries to prove that Donald Trump knew there wasn't election fraud was he lists off different people that told him there wasn't any evidence of election fraud. The problem with that is that there were other people, including Trump's own attorneys, that showed him evidence or told him there were, there was election fraud. So I don't see any way that the Department of Justice can prove that Donald Trump knowingly made false claims of election fraud. I think that's the crux of their case, and I don't think they can prove it. Well, and even these days, there are still a lot of people out there who are convinced there was election fraud. I mean, that is not like a, a, a made-up, out-of-the-air type of accusation. There are millions of people who believe that as well. But former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi was on CNN yesterday. I don't know if you saw this or not, but she was asked about her response to Republicans who are talking about how the DOJ has become weaponized. And I'd like to play this clip for you, uh, Congresswoman, and get your response. Play clip two, please. The rule of the law is central to a democracy. The fact that the former president was always attacking the rule of law in our country, and now these, uh, par uh, are, these guys are uh, parroting that. Uh, shame on them. Shame on them. So, look, is pointing out the politicization and the weaponization of the DOJ attacking the rule of law? No, absolutely not. In fact, it's actually happening. I mean, you can tell the difference between how they're going after President Trump and President Trump's allies and conservatives versus how they're not going after Hunter Biden or Joe Biden or investigating it. And that's, you know, the Devin Archer testimony was very uh, telling because he said that Hunter Biden put his dad, then Vice President Joe Biden, on the phone with his business partner sitting around, you know, in business meetings uh, over 20 times. And he said it was 
to influence these people with the brand, meaning the Biden brand. And then you go into the whole thing with Burisma Energy Company, where Hunter Biden was paid all kinds of money to be on the board of Burisma Energy Company. And then we have testimony that uh, from Devin Archer saying that the owner and the executives of Burisma Energy Company were pushing Hunter Biden to get Washington, D.C., to get rid of this prosecutor that was going after the Burisma Energy Company for corruption. And guess what? Vice President Biden, on a televised uh, interview, said, bragged about how he got rid of this prosecutor by threatening Ukraine not to give him grant money. And, uh, and so he got rid of him. I mean, come on. The Department of Justice isn't going to go after that. And Nancy Pelosi doesn't care anything about the Biden crime family, yet she's going after Trump once again. Well, now, what are they, they've already done two impeachments against them. They're going after him again and again. The other thing that I really found troubling about this indictment is how biased um, the wording was that Jack Smith had in this indictment. He would put things in quotes, like, let's say there was a memorandum. It said the Demis, De, uh, December 6th memorandum. But then he put in parentheses the criminal, you know, fraudulent plan. And, I mean, just things like that. He would put adjectives like corrupt or criminal in front of things. It was so biased. I just don't see how this is going to hold water at all. Unbelievable. Well, Congresswoman Lesko, thank you for your input on that. We are going to be unfolding more of this for our viewers and listeners as the program goes on. But now that I have you, I'd like to, if we can, switch gears a little bit to the southern border. I know this is an issue that you have personally been involved with greatly, as with others of your colleagues. Uh, but the border crossing jump, that uh, the illegal crossings last uh, month jumped 30 percent. And that's according to U.S. Customs and Border Protection data itself. Uh, this is uh, incredible. And, of course, it's your state that seems to be taking the brunt of it. Can you share with us what's going on there right now? Yeah, well, as, as you know, Jody, because you used to be in Congress, the Biden administration wants an open border. All of their policies, everything they do, uh, all they're trying to do is have the Custom and Border Patrol Office act like travel agents and process all these illegal people coming over the border. The thing that really worries me is all the gotaways, meaning the people that are caught on camera or with sensors that are running away from the Border Patrol. And, you know, it's so easy for people to come over the border and claim asylum so that they can get into the country. So these people that are trying to evade the Border Patrol, they must have a criminal history in the United States. That's why they're trying to evade them. So basically, the Biden administration has turned over almost complete control to the cartels. And, and so here in Maricopa County, which is the Phoenix metropolitan area in Arizona, we had a 5,000% increase in fentanyl deaths since 2015. And it's because all of the drugs coming over the border. The other thing that is really sad is that our own government is not vetting the sponsors where they're sending the 
thousands of unaccompanied children to. There was a home in Texas, Austin, Texas, that had a hundred unaccompanied children. And a New York Times article just recently said how so many of these children are working full-time, they're minors, 12, 13 years old, working full-time to pay off the cartels and to pay off these corrupt sponsors that the, our own government is not vetting. In fact, Secretary of Health and Human Services Becerra was in front of the committee that I served on. And I said, in Washington, D.C., there's dog and cat foster regulations. Like, if you want to adopt a dog or cat in Washington, D.C., you have to be interviewed and have a home inspection. Yet, a home inspection is not required at all to bring in an unaccompanied child. There's no FBI background checks. There's no sexual abuse background checks that are required. It's just outrageous. It is outrageous. That's unbelievable. And information I was not aware of there. Uh, Congresswoman Debbie Lesko, thank you so much for standing in the gap on so many of these issues. As I said, as you came on, I know you've got your plate full, both at home and in Washington, D.C., and hats off to you for keeping the torch ablaze. We're extremely grateful. Thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. God bless you. All right, friends, uh, much more straight ahead. When we come back after the break, we're going to dive into some other news that the Biden administration probably does not want you to know about. And they're hoping the indictment of President Trump will prevent you or at least distract you from knowing about. We're going to be dealing with the transcript that came out of the House Oversight Committee of Devin Archer. So we've got a lot more coming your way right after the break. Stay tuned. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Well, good afternoon. So great to be with you today. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Welcome to Washington Watch. Well, we've got a lot covering today, a lot to deal with. Glad to have you on board with us. Earlier today, Congressman James Comer, who is the chairman of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, well, they released a transcript of the interview with Devin Archer, who, of course, was the former business partner of Hunter Biden. And contrary to what the left would like you to believe, that testimony certainly was not a nothing burger. I've read certain portions of it myself. So what are the highlights or, or lowlights, depending on how you want to look at this thing? Well, joining me now to go through the interview is Eric Eggers. He's the vice president at the Government Accountability Institute. Eric, welcome to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Thanks, Jody. It's great to be here. Well, thank you so much. Listen, I know you've been busy with all of this as well, but uh, before we get in the actual testimony itself, uh, let's kind of lay some groundwork. Uh, tell us a little bit about Burisma Holdings and what we know of Hunter Biden's business dealings in general. Sure. So, and, it's, and that's a, an important place to start, but I think that there's even sort of like a larger perspective to have. So, Devin Archer. Uh, worked with Hunter Biden, and both were able to secure board seats for Burisma Holdings, which is a Ukrainian natural gas company. And we know that Hunter Biden was paid $83,000 a month uh, or a million dollars a year for that position. Um, there's been a lot of questions about why Hunter Biden would be selected and then why his business associate, Devin Archer, would be selected to be placed on the board of this seemingly random third world natural gas company. Uh, and it would be random unless you kind of look at the larger perspective. So right after Barack Obama won his second term as president, Joe Biden took a trip to China with Hunter Biden on Air Force Two. And shortly after that visit, Hunter Biden was able to secure in his new company that he founded with Devin Archer, uh, what would become a $1.5 billion private equity deal with the Chinese government. And it was the first of its kind that China had entered into. But this became 
the business model that the Bidens began pursuing. They would find in sort of these less well-known, less public, less transparent corners of the world uh, business arrangements with people who are essentially trying to launder their reputation and curry favor with people at the highest levels of the United States government. And so that's exactly what the Burisma deal was. And then there became other things that it turns out that why Burisma wanted to cultivate a close relationship with the United States government, with the Obama administration specifically, because they had certain things they wanted to get done. And those are among the things that Devin Archer talked about in his testimony. Wow, that's stunning. So, I mean, it goes from China. Uh, it's, it's just all over the place. So let's get into some of the aspects of the testimony itself from Devin Archer. Uh, let's start off with the brand. We're hearing a lot about the brand. Uh, just clearly lay out what is the brand and what did Devin Archer have to say about it? Right. So uh, Devin Archer talked extensively about the fact that the Bidens are the brand and they add value by connecting the brand with people who, again, want to launder their reputation by being associated with the son of the vice president of the United States. It's why I think the biggest bombshell that we have from Devin Archer's testimony or among the biggest bombshell, the fact that Hunter Biden was able to, in the presence of his customers, put his father, Vice President Joe Biden, on the phone in upwards of 20 times, like that is the brand. So, I mean, and this, by the way, is not something that's unique to Hunter Biden. This is unique to the Bidens. We've reported at the Government Accountability Institute that in addition to the deal that Hunter Biden had with Burisma, in addition to the deal that uh, he and Devin Archer had with the Chinese government, the Biden brothers have acquired and accumulated over $31 million in other business deals with entities that are connected to the Chinese military, specifically the Chinese espionage ring, the people that are trying to spy on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party. So uh, the brand is, in terms of the Bidens, they're trying to make as much money as possible with very little regard for how it looks or how it might impact United States national security interests. And oh, by the way, that's not just me saying it. You've had people come out from the United States government say, you know, China's our biggest threat and anything we're doing business with should be examined. And the Bidens happen to be on the list of things that need to be examined. And so, yeah, that, so that is the brand. And if you're one of their business partners, uh, you associate, you benefit from brand uh, association, right? We, we remember, I'm sure some of your viewers may be familiar with this new startup golf uh, entity that became popular a few uh, months ago, maybe last year, the Live Golf Tournament. And the term sports washing was used because the Saudi National Fund was attempting to launder its reputation by partnering with professional golfers. That's essentially what people have done by partnering with the Bidens. They're laundering their reputation and associating themselves with the Biden brand. And in fact, that was precisely the service that Hunter Biden brought to the table. He didn't know anything about the energy sector. He didn't know. It was not like he had earned the right to be on the board earning $83,000 a month. What he brought to the table was influenced the brand, uh, his father. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about further the uh, comment that I read that Archer said that Burisma actually would have gone out of business had it had the brand uh, not been attached to it. No, that's a, that's a key comment. You're wise to kind of seize on that. But just to your earlier comment, as far as Hunter Biden's lack of qualifications, that's also part of the brand. You got to remember, Hunter Biden's a guy that was appointed to the board of Amtrak, the rail company. 
And in the testimony that was given in the halls of Congress when giving his qualifications for why he should be added to the board of Amtrak, it was mentioned that as somebody who lived in Delaware, he'd ridden trains a lot. Like, that was what they read <laughs> into the record. So Hunter Biden is not a guy who's used to earning his way to the table. He's admitted as much in terms of national television appearances. He's admitted he's struggled with substance abuse and other personal vices. And while I'm not here to condemn any of that, the point is this is a guy whose brand, and specifically his last name, is what gets him into places like this. So, uh, yeah, so as far as what Hunter Biden has done and what uh, Barisma would have gone uh, out of business, per Devin Archer's testimony, is they were uh, essentially a corrupt entity. And a prosecutor in Ukraine was giving them a heavily amount of scrutiny in terms of their conduct and, and might have put them out of business. And I think that's actually maybe the biggest takeaway for your viewers to kind of consider. We know that Devin Archer has said that they were asked by Burisma executives to get the prosecutor who was threatening to put them out of business fired. And then so Devin Archer with Hunter Biden there, they said, okay, we need to go call DC and they left. Now we don't know who they called in Washington DC, but we do know one person who lives in Washington DC and who lived in Washington DC at the time. Eric, let's hold it, let's hold it right there. Let's stop right there and, and let's, let's pick up the right there President after the, the break. States, Joe Friends coming up after the break, I'm gonna continue this conversation with Eric Eggers. What a fascinating, conversation. Stay tuned. We'll be back with much, much more right after this. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, and we're honored to have you with us. What a fascinating discussion we are having with Eric Eggers about the transcript that the House Oversight Committee 
uh, released uh, regarding Devin Archer's uh, testimony. Incredible. I want us to continue that discussion now with my guest who joined me in the last segment, Eric Eggers, who's the vice president at the Government Accountability Institute. Eric, thanks again for staying over. And I know you understand heartbreak. Sorry I had to step in uh, the last uh, little bit. But, but now that we're here, let, let's, let's go on. We, we've covered a lot about the transcript. Uh, what else about this stood out to you that just kind of jumped off the page? Um, I think that the fact that the House Oversight Committee has been able to pursue this and that they can, I think they're very serious about their work. I know not everyone that's on the committee uh, is as serious. And I think Democrats are quite honestly grandstanding and, you know, mentioning the fact that uh, Donald Trump was president when some of these interactions happened more than asking hard questions about the nature of Joe Biden's involvement in Hunter Biden's business. Uh, and so I think there's some room to improve there. But I do think you have to remember, uh, Jody, you know, we reported at the Government Accountability Institute about some of these business transactions and about Devin Archer specifically all the way back in 2018 in a book called Secret Empires. And we actually sent a researcher to Devin Archer's trial uh, and watched the, the judge sort of issue a not guilty verdict and then saw that verdict be vacated by oversight. So we've been paying attention to this for a long time. And so I applaud the fact that House Oversight members are now taking this very seriously. They're getting bank accounts. Um, they're talking to witnesses. And so I think I'm encouraged for anybody that's paid attention to the idea of government corruption, as we have done, and I know as you have done, that I think um, the fact that they're talking to the right people is a signal of positive things to come. Great point. I want to play a clip for you and get your reaction to it. You know, the Democrats, you're talking about them and them just kind of grandstanding with this, but they're trying to defend President Biden, saying that all the phone calls that he had with Hunter during these uh, business meetings were nothing more than other just saying hello to his son. But Devin had a, an interview just yesterday with uh, Tucker Carlson, and I, I'd like to play this clip and get your thoughts on it. Clip five, please. To be, you know, completely clear on the calls. I don't know if it was an orchestrated call in or not. It certainly was powerful, though, because, you know, if you're sitting with a foreign business person and you hear the vice president's voice, that's prize enough. I mean, that's 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 pretty impactful stuff for anyone. All right. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you couldn't say it any better. Uh, whether the nature of the conversation was casual or not, the point is it was impactful and it got done what needed to get done with the business people they were trying to curry favor with and ultimately trying to get them to pay them. Um, so, you know, it's funny you say, oh, these are casual niceties, like the kind of talk you might hear on the golf course about the weather. Well, guess what else gets done on the golf course? A lot of business, you know? And so I think people decide to do business with people because they're comfortable with them and they're impressed by the network. As you pointed out earlier, Jody, that's essentially what the Bidens were selling. They're selling their network. That's what Hunter Biden and Devin Archer were selling specifically. I mean. Devin Archer was not a guy who, like, turned down an internship at Lloyd's of London. This is not a highly coveted asset on Wall Street. He's a guy who later would be convicted of defrauding a tribe in Oklahoma. Uh, so it's not like he had elite professional skills to bring to the table. What he had to bring to the table was he'd raised money for John Kerry, who, by the way, John Kerry's stepson had previously worked in business with Hunter Biden and Devin Archer. And even John Kerry's stepson, Christopher Hines, was so turned off by some Eric, of the nature we'll of the business they were doing, you. he left. So I think you heard it exactly right, right from Devin Archer that uh, what they go. were doing uh, mattered. All right. So, you know, not only were they selling 
themselves, selling their influence. They were selling America out. I mean, this how how do you describe this president any other way than being compromised? Uh, that's a great point, and it's I think the most important point. You know, when something happens like the Chinese spy balloon floating across the country, and people wonder why was it allowed to float over the entire West Coast to East Coast route that it took, and why was it never shot down, even though we now know that it flew over military uh, industrial areas and it was able to gain intelligence on our stuff. We know that this is China's game plan. And so I think by cultivating these relationships with people that matter, it's called soft power. And so I think yeah, there's no other way to put it. But yeah, you have to wonder, if China was aggressive, would we make a move in America's interest? Or does Joe Biden have other reasons to maybe take it easy on China? Well, it's a frightening thing to, to consider all of this, Eric. And I, uh, your, your insight that you've brought to the table today has been tremendous. We're grateful. What do you think or what do you hope is going to come out of this uh, whole investigation? We've got about a minute left. Sure. Thanks, Jody. Uh, what I hope is that the House Oversight Committee will continue to do its work, that the, the remaining six bank accounts, they will be able to get those records, that the financial records that the IRS whistleblowers wanted to look at and did look at, that those will be able to be brought together as well. And there's a phone number that's linked to Joe Biden that I think maybe those phone records can be triangulated. We match up those with things like the letter that he wrote to uh, Devin Archer, and correspond that with the timing of them launching their Chinese business enterprises. And we get to finally get the real picture of just how shady the Biden business dealings are. Well, this is uh, absolutely fascinating. And you look at the indictments of uh, former President Trump coming out at just the same week, the day after uh, all of this starts unfolding. Uh, you have to scratch your head about it all. Eric Eggers, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for all the work that you at the Government Accountability Institute do as well. Thanks for joining us this evening. My pleasure, Jody. Thank all you right, so friends, much. Coming up, you bet. Coming up, we're going to dive back into the latest indictment of former President Trump and get an analysis from a former civil litigator who served in all three branches of the federal government. Mike Davis of the Article Three Project will join me right after the break, so stick around. We'll be right back in just a moment. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first, just go to prayvotestand.org. Again, that's prayvotestand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC, celebrating 40 years with Congresswoman Lisa McLean. In Congress, it's tough. And you get hit, you know, you get, you get bombs thrown at you from all different sides. And at times... Um, you have a tendency to get down. FRC approaches things in a very different way. It, it approaches it with a faith-based principle, in a, in a faith-based manner, which is really lacking not only in Congress, but I would say in America today. FRC is an organization that provides an optimistic, hopeful, positive view of the future. Welcome back to Washington Watch, and thank you, Lisa McLean from Michigan, for those kind words celebrating FRC's 40th anniversary. It's an amazing, amazing ministry, and I can testify to the words that you just heard from Congresswoman Lisa McLean as well. I do hope that uh, you'll be able to join us for our Prevote Stand Summit coming up in September. Again, learn more about it at prevotestand.org. All right, uh, we've got uh, just a couple of hour go- hours ago, I'm sure you probably heard or, heard or have seen, but President Trump arrived at the U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. to make his initial appearance in federal court after being indicted for the third time. And as expected, he pled not guilty to the four counts that he has been charged with. So the question is now, how is all this going to unfold? What does this mean? How did we even get to this point? 
And here to do some unpacking of all of this for us is Mike Davis. He's the founder of the Article 3 Project. He spent nearly 10 years as a civil litigator in Denver, and he also served in all three branches of our federal government. Mike, welcome back to the program. Good to see you. Thank you for having me back on. Well, it's always an honor. So let's just get started with a, a little background, uh, specifically uh, regarding Jack Smith. What do we know about this special counsel? Uh, Jack Smith is the political hitman who Democrats sent in to take out Republican presidential contenders, like Jack Smith did before 2016 with former governor, uh, former Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell, a likely presidential or vice presidential candidate. Jack Smith was the head of Obama's public integrity section at the Justice Department at the time, and he brought these bogus corruption charges against then-Governor McDonnell. He won a conviction and took him out of the presidential and vice presidential uh, race before 2016. The Supreme Court ultimately reversed Jack Smith eight to nothing. It would have been nine to nothing, but Justice Scalia passed away. It is very hard to have a criminal conviction overturned by the Supreme Court. It is nearly impossible for that to happen unanimously. But Jack Smith, the Democrats' Scud missile launched to take out President Trump, managed to do this with Governor Bob McDonald before 2016. And the Democrats, Biden, Garland, and Jack Smith are running the same play again for President Trump in 2024. They're trying to indict President Trump for the non for various non crimes, non crime of uh, you know Alvin Bragg indicting Trump for the non crime of a business businessman settling a nuisance claim, the first indictment of a former president in U.S. history. Jack Smith uh, uh, waited 29 months after President Trump left office to indict President Trump for the non crime of a former president having his presidential records, which is allowed by the Presidential Records Act. Now Jack Smith, all of these with Merrick Garland and Joe Biden's green lighting, has indicted President Trump uh, again, this time for the non-crime of a presidential candidate objecting to a presidential election, which is allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887 and twisting arms politically is allowed by the First Amendment. This is Democrat lawfare against President Trump because Democrats fear they cannot beat Trump on November 7th, 2024. Wow. Well, what a what a historical background right there that you've laid out for us. You know, it's uh, so many things come to my mind while you're talking about this, Mike. I think of how in the world do people like Jack Smith, you know, how do they get in the positions where they're in? And how do we reverse all this as a nation? We'll get to that in a little bit. But right now, what does this mean for our justice system in America? Where is all of this going, do you think? I think President Obama changed everything when he politicized and weaponized the Justice Department with Eric Holder. Uh, they hired Jack Smith back then. Jack, Smith, Jack Smith's wife was a producer of Michelle Obama's documentary. Jack Smith's wife donated $1,000 to Obama's campaign and voila, Jack Smith becomes the chief of the public integrity section at the Justice Department. And it's just part of a pattern by the Democrats, starting with Obama, to politicize 
and weaponize our justice system and our intel agencies to protect their friends and to go after their political enemies. We saw this in 2016 uh, when Hillary Clinton got caught with her illegal home server with our nation's most classified secrets hacked by our worst enemies, including probably Russia, and she destroyed this evidence in the face of congressional subpoenas. And so what did they do? They made up the Russian collusion hoax against President Trump. And so if these, if this hack material uh, comes out from Russia before the 2016 campaign, Hillary and the Democrats can falsely claim that Trump was colluding with the Russians and running an intel operation on Hillary Clinton. In 2020, uh, Joe Biden got caught with, with, uh, with Hunter Biden's laptop from hell, evidencing the Biden's uh, foreign, corruption, uh, foreign bribery and corruption schemes, tens of millions of dollars to every single Biden except for the five-year-old granddaughter who uh, Joe Biden and Jill Biden didn't acknowledge for five years until recently. Uh, so what did the Democrats do? They had 51 former intel officials corruptly uh, lie, lie and say that this was a Russian disinformation campaign, this Hunter Biden laptop, got the New York Post, America's oldest newspaper, uh, censored by big tech platforms, uh, got Americans censored for posting the story of the New York Post. And here we are again in 2024. They're going to interfere with this election again. Our law enforcement and intel agencies are going to interfere in this election, election again by politicizing and weaponizing the justice system to go after Trump for non-crimes while, while they're covering up Biden's foreign bribery, Biden's corruption. He is clearly compromised as the president of the United States, and they're going to try to go after Trump and throw him in prison for his fight with Biden's librarians and other bureaucrats over records Trump is allowed to have and over disputing a presidential election. Well, it's unbelievable what what is unfolding in this two-tiered system is just glaring its face at us anymore. It's no longer in hiding. It appears to have come out of the closet, so to speak, and is uh, just pounding us, bulldozing down under us. And I, I'll get to that here in just a second. But I, I do want to say this as well. This indictment of this week, there's more to come. I mean, I'm I'm from Georgia and have been following what's happening in Fulton County. I've been informed that they have now put barricades around the courthouse there, which would indicate that uh, another indictment is on the way. And, uh, you know, they want to protect the courthouse from all these rioting conservatives or whatever. It's all theater, but nonetheless, that's happening. So there's more to come, right? Where where does all this end for President well, that's Trump? that's the issue we we have well, Jack Smith will bring another superseding superseding indictment at some point and name the six alleged co-conspirators, maybe bring a seditious uh, conspiracy claim against Trump to try to knock him out under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, a, a novel and bogus legal theory. But that's what the Democrats will try. You have, like you said, Fulton County DA Fannie Willis bringing her January 6th claims. We have uh, Tish James, the New York Attorney General, bringing civil fraud claims against Trump for the non-fraud of borrowing money from sophisticated banks and paying these banks back with interest, and somehow that's fraud. This is lawfare by Democrats. And you ask how this ends? This will end with the Supreme Court at some point, and the Supreme Court will take Donald Trump's side in all of these cases, I assure you. But the problem is, is they won't be able to get to these cases before November 7th. 
2024. So how this ends is the American people stands up to this lawfare and this weaponization uh, of our law enforcement and intel agencies and says, you know what, we're not going to let a D.C. prosecutor and a D.C. judge and a 95 percent Democrat D.C. jury, 99 percent Trump deranged D.C. jury pick our next president. We the people get to pick our president. And that's how the American people can take the most forceful stand against this. All right, so let's go down this a little bit further. Our average viewer listener right now is kind of wondering, okay, I can vote, but what else What else can I do here? I mean, what really are your expectations as to what's going to happen? I, I, you've, you've alluded to it, but just, just hit on what are the expectations and what are your hopes that, uh, that what's going to happen? What, what are your expectations? And what can people do right now to engage in whatever way that they can. So I would say this, there is no chance that President Trump is going to get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. You have this Garland special counsel, Jack Smith, who has a track record of being a partisan hack, a lawless partisan hack. You have this Obama judge, Tanya uh, Shukin, in D.C., who is a leftist. She was a former public defender, but apparently she only cares about people in D.C. who carjack um, rob places and murder people because she has shown with January 6th that she is the most harsh. She is one of the most harsh judges of them all for these for the January 6th protesters. And you're going to have a D.C. jury that's 95 percent Democrat and 99 percent Trump deranged. And so there's no chance that Trump's going to get a fair trial in D.C. He, w- he will be found guilty. It's lawless. Uh, he uh, the, the judge will convict him. The D.C. Circuit will almost certainly affirm the conviction because Obama transformed the D.C. Circuit to all these left-wing radical judges. And so this is going to have to be resolved legally by the Supreme Court. There is no doubt in my mind that the Supreme Court will reverse this criminal conviction, all of these criminal convictions, because they're lawless. But again, we have something between now and the Supreme Court, and that's called the 2024 presidential election. And so the American people need to register to vote. They need to make sure their friends and family members are registered to vote. They need to make sure that they're voting. In the meantime, House Republicans need to step up their game. This is lawfare by Democrats. It's a zero-sum game. When Democrats are on offense, which they have been since August, since the Mar-a-Lago raid a year ago, that means they're not on defense. And so House Republicans need to put uh, these people on defense. They need to start having oversight hearings. They need to start subpoenaing witnesses and documents. They need to open an impeachment inquiry against President Biden for his clear corruption. They need to open an impeachment inquiry against Attorney General Merrick Garland for his clear cover-up of his boss's corruption. Republicans need to get tougher now. They need to start taking off the gloves and punching back. Well, I think they are in process of that but I agree it needs uh, the they need to step up the game. So real quickly cuz I want to go I want to switch gears in the last couple of minutes we have to the Devin Archer testimony, but you do not see anything that's happening now to Trump cuz people ask me this all of the time. Is any of this going to impact his run for president? I think it's going to put him back in the White House because I think the Alvin Bragg indictment won Trump the nomination. I think the first Jack Smith indictment uh, put him into contention strongly with Biden. I think the second Jack Smith indictment is going to help Trump win comfortably by like maybe two or three percentage points. And each indictment on top of that, 
I think the American people, if you look at the polling, they see this for what it is. This is political lawfare to take out President Trump because Democrats fear they, that he'll beat President Biden or Governor Newsom on November 7th, 2024. Okay. All right. Uh, well, let me switch gears if I can real quickly. Just uh, two minutes less, less than two minutes to go. Uh, the testimony of Devin Archer, former business partner of Hunter Biden. What's your take on that? I think that Devin Archer's testimony is devastating for President Biden because it shows that President Biden was absolutely involved in the, the Biden crime family's foreign bribery and corruption schemes, their business. And uh, President Biden lied about this repeatedly to the American people. This is impeachable conduct by Joe Biden and House Republicans should move forward with impeachment. A lot of the American people uh, are not hearing about this because the mainstream, meaning liberal media, is not reporting this. But an impeachment inquiry would force the mainstream media to report on Joe Biden's obvious corruption. This is so much bigger than Trump or Biden. You cannot have a president of the United States who is compromised by foreign bribes and other corruption. It leads to very bad things in this country. Joe Biden has taken tens of millions of dollars. Joe Biden and his family have taken tens of millions of dollars from Ukraine and China. Those are the two biggest trouble spots in the world right now with Russia and Ukraine and China and Taiwan. And when you have a weak, compromised president, our enemies exploit it like Russia is doing in Ukraine right now. Well, it sounds like you would disagree with the Democrats who are saying this whole testimony was a nothing burger. <laughs> a nothing burger that Vice, uh, then Vice President Joe Biden participated with 20 phone calls with his you know, 50-year-old corrupt drug addict sons, foreign business dealings, lied about it, went to meetings, went to dinners. There's evidence that the Bidens took $3.5 million from the Moscow oligarch, tens of millions of dollars from China, $10 million from Burisma, a foreign bribe where Biden threatened to cut off a billion dollars in USA. Mike, we're going to have to leave it there. Yeah. Thank well, you listen, for having I me can't on. thank you enough. Thank Mike, you Mike it's great on. to have you. Thanks for your work at Article 3 Project. Keep it up. All right, friends, that's all for today. Thank you for joining us. Keep the torch ablaze, and we'll be back tomorrow with more on Washington Watch. Have a great evening. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.